And I want to talk about God give us justice. God give us justice. And if you got your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn with me in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And we're going to read uh, verses 1 down through verse 8. And I'm going to read it out of two different versions of Scripture. First, I'll read it out of the New King James Version. And it reads like this. Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not to lose heart, saying, There was a certain city, in a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversaries. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge says, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Let me read it another way too, just because sometimes it's good to hear it in a couple of different ways, and it's not much different, but it says this, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For, sometimes he, for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though uh, I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will God not bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, he will, will he find faith in the earth? God, give us justice. Father, we just pray right now that you would speak to our hearts and you would change our lives through your word today, God. Thank you for ministering here this morning to your people, God. And Lord, I just pray, I know you want to open our hearts up to hear what the Spirit is saying to us, God. And Lord, I just pray that you would do that right now, God. I pray, God, that there would be people here because we're going to come to Hebrews verse 4. And it says that, God, that, that uh, there are a group of people, God, that enter in to this new covenant and they enter into the gospel by faith. God, that there's a people that have been kept out and it's through the deceitfulness of sin which leads to unbelief and hardness of heart and they can't see the revelation of Jesus Christ. And oh, Father God, I pray today, we know that the veil is removed in Christ. And I just pray that the veil would come off of somebody's eyes in this place today. And that they would be able to see the Lamb of God seated on the throne. They would be again to see God. And like the four and twenty-four elders, they would just fall down and worship Him, God. I pray that they would begin to see what other people, God, maybe like the, like the servant who was with Elisha, and he said, open his eyes and let him see what I see. And he saw a host of angels, God, around. And he knew there was more with, with, with God's people than were against. And so, Lord, I just pray today that somebody, God, somebody would mix the Word of God here with faith. God, that, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we must believe that He is 
God, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So God, let people find the true and living God today. And Lord, let them know your truth, Father. And when you come, I pray, God, that we will be a people of prayer. We will be a people who seek your face. We will be a people who are ready when you come. We'll be a people who are crying out, uh, God, for, uh, for justice in the earth, God, when you come. And Lord, we praise you. Help us to pray and not faint and get up, give up, Lord, in this last hour. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yesterday, uh, I had a friend visit me. And uh, actually, uh, I, I, it, it was quite an enjoyable visit. And I noticed uh, a change in this person. And I, we talked and we just enjoyed it. I, I hope there's a change in my life. I think we've all had changes going on in the last couple of years with what we've all been going through. And... Uh, and I, I normally do more talking than I do listening, so it's hard for people to get it words in edgewise. But I began to listen because I was intrigued by what, what this person was sharing and talking about. And, and he was talking about how the events of this world have really impacted his heart. And it's really caused his heart to just take a, a, a turn from, from the things of this world and, and, and more of a turn towards heaven. And he made, even made a statement, I, I really did, I've always heard from my parents, I didn't know, uh, you know, my, my, this world's not my home. He said, I always heard that and, and, and didn't really know what that meant until now. And he said, now I know what that phrase means. Now I know what that, there, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a cry in my heart. There's a longing in my heart for something more than the things of this world. We talked about sin and, the, and, and how deep sin is now. We talked about how we meddled or messed around and were drawn and attracted to things when we were teenagers and younger, foolish things, and, and how they were, they were bad, they were wicked. But how now there's a black hole that once you go down that path, you can't hardly return from except from the power of God. We're on a new level of devils. We're on a new level of wickedness. I mean, it's just out there and it's just absolutely unbelievable. And, and so, uh, uh, you know, there, there's a cry, I think, coming into the heart of God's people that God is so wicked. It's so bad. We need justice now. We need justice how long, oh God, we need justice in the earth. We need justice now. And, and I heard another pastor that I listened to uh, quite often, and he was talking about being at the playground with his son. He took his son to buy some ice cream, and they were at this place where there's a, a petting zoo and there's a playground nearby. And he said his child was out there playing on the playground, and he said he, he noticed that there was a four-year-old boy out there. And when he looked more intensely, he noticed that this boy had on a dress. And he said his heart just, just was broken, broken just for, because he watched this, it was clearly a boy, clearly a boy that, 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 uh, uh, that this mom had, he watched this entire event, he's, he's nervously watching because he's thinking, uh, what if my son goes up to him and says something, what kind of conflict is this going to cause? And he began to just uh, think about this, uh, about a mother there who doesn't realize she's teaching her son to reject his own body. The body that God gave him, the body that, that, that the gender that was assigned by God, you know, and, 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 and teaching that you can't trust the gender that God assigns you to. And that God assigns you with something beautiful rather than telling this child that uh, you don't have to change anything. You're beautiful just the way you are. 
You're beautiful in the image that God created you. He created them both male and female with a certain kind of beauty. One's not better than the other. Females are supposed to be glorious as females and they glorify God in being female. Males are supposed to glorify God in being male. And God knew at birth what He assigned you to be and He wanted you to be that. And, 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 and nothing about you needs to be altered. And, and we need to be compassionate towards what's going on and towards the things that we're seeing in our society, but we also need to know the truth. And the realize, realization came into this father as he's watching this, that this is my son's world. This is the world my son's going to grow up. Just like the friend yesterday, that things are coming into his heart and into our lives that we're saying, this world's different. There's something going on in this world and, 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 and things aren't the same and they're not normal as usual. And I got news. Everybody thinks if we just get this shot, if we just get this, if we just do that, things are going to go away and everything's going to go back to normal. I got news for you. It's not going back to normal. And the realization came into the pastor's heart. This is my son's world. This is the world we're, we're growing up in. We all, we all want revival. We all want, we all, we all want, uh, but, 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 but let me tell you what revival might look like. Have you ever thought revival might look like a hostile cu culture? Have you ever thought that in order for revival to come, it may look like a society that has total anti-God values now? And a church that comes alive through the power of the Holy Spirit now in the midst of that Antichrist culture? A church that finally wakes up? A church that finally finds out who her Christ is? A church that finally begins to wake up and begins to pray again and begins to say, God, will you avenge us? God, will you bring justice? God, will you push back the evil of this society and of this culture? And God, will you make us alive again? Will you fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit so we can push back the darkness and the evil of this society, maybe God will send an antichrist world to wake a church up in the midst of it and send revival that way. I don't know. We pray for revival one way, but we prepare another way. And we say, Lord, if you don't turn us, God knows in five to ten years what this world's going to look like, folks. It's going to be atrocious. It's worse than you can ever imagine. Once you start down this slope, there is no stopping of the de depths of evil that are around us. And it made this pastor cry in his heart, Jesus, I just want you to come back. And I think that's sort of what my friend was saying too, Jesus. We just want you to come back. And just because we have that cry, now listen to me, just because we have that cry doesn't mean he's putting that cry because he's definitely coming back tomorrow. Okay, he is coming back soon. But we know in the scriptures, no man knows the day nor the hour when our Lord is going to come. We know that. We know that in the days of Hitler, Mussolini, in the 20th century, we know there was a cry coming in people's hearts that were saying, he must be coming. We've never seen so many antichrist people on the face of the earth. Now, I know I could go into all kinds of things about the days we're living in and about the things that make it even more so of a realization. But I think the biggest focus that God's wanting us to get out of this parable today is that I do believe that he's reminding us of how critical it is for us to focus on His coming. 
I believe that's what he's wanting us out of this parable is to get your mind focused on the fact that he is coming and then he wants us to understand what it's going to be like when he does come and what it's going to be, uh, how he wants us to prepare for his coming and what lies ahead. So that's what I want us to focus on this morning. If you go back to Luke chapter 17 and you read chapter 17 and 18, which I would advise you to do this week, if you go back there and read Luke 17, you'll realize Jesus is talking about the end of the age here. And that's where he comes into this parable. He's talking about how it's going to be at the end of time and at the end of the age. And he basically is saying, it ain't a pretty picture. It is not pretty. And he's, he's telling us that he warns of sweeping judgment that's coming on the earth. He warns of the readiness of his disciples that they have to be in the face of this judgment and what's coming on the earth at this time that we must be ready because it's going to get ugly before he comes and we've got to be prepared to stand in such an hour. We've got to be prepared to stand in such a time that you've got to decide where your loyalty and love for Jesus is because it's going to be tested very, very soon. And you got to decide which side are you going to stand on. If it's Belial, then go get with Belial's bunch. But if it's Jesus Christ, get all the way in with Jesus Christ. And the purpose of the parable is to teach the disciples, don't give up and pray. In the face of Jesus coming, don't give up. And don't stop praying. This is what he tells us. He tells us over and over in the scriptures. You better watch and you better pray. You better watch and you better pray. The more the darkness comes and the more it gets at the end of the age, there better be two things you're doing. You better watch and you better be praying. And that's what he's saying. And in light of what he's saying here in chapter 17 and in chapter 18, he's saying the days are going to get difficult. And if you want to keep from falling away to discouragement and giving up in this society that we're living in now, you better watch and you better pray. You better pray and not be discouraged. What's discouragement? Loss of motivation. And I see it in so many faces and hearts of people walking around so downcast. I see it in believers. I know they're not praying because you would think they just lost their best friend. You would think their pet just died. You would think their mom just died or their dad. And they're always just moping around. Woe is me. So discouraged. So loss of heart. Loss of motivation. I don't even know if it's worth it. I don't even know if it's worth praying. don't even know if it's worth reading the Bible. Don't even know if it's worth going to church. Don't even want to be around people. Let me get on that subject just a minute. I'm sick of Christians saying they don't want to be around people. When our Messiah says love God and love people. We have created a generation that is so fragile. You can't tell them anything. They walk on eggshells and we've got parents protecting them to the core because we won't let them grow up. And we won't let them face a hard time. Well, I got news. The world's fixing to cause us to face a hard time and we better grow up. I'm serious, folks. When you can't even drive on the freeway, how are you going to stand to ISIS? When you can't even let your child do a dish in the dishwasher, how are they going to stand up and stand up for Jesus Christ in the days ahead? 
It's time to push some people out of the nest and let them fall, let them falter, let them go through hard times so they can grow up. Preach, Brad. Maybe half the church gone next week, but I'll have it off my conscience. Not saying be mean. I'm not saying not be sensitive. I'm not saying not have support. But it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. We don't stay children until we're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, and 80. We grow up. We grow up. We do difficult things. We go through hard things. That's what the Lord is putting us through here. He's putting us into wilderness. He's putting us into tests so that our faith can be built. We can be made stronger. We can grow up. That's why we have pastors and prophets and apostles and teachers so that we can have the perfecting and the maturing of the saints till we all grow up together in the maturity of the Lord. Amen. Now you do it in love. Not talking about abuse. You do it in love. But folks, we have got to quit coddling this generation. And I'm not being mean. That's just truth, folks. Don't lose motivation in prayer. Jesus does not want us to lose motivation in prayer. The, 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 the parable, is, it's really interesting because Daniel, the parable he uses here is really dismal. It's really kind of strange that he would use this parable like this. It's kind of funny that when you're going to try to motivate people, uh, Amber, to not give up praying, you give them the most dismal parable that you could in the Bible. But it's actually really a Jewish type thing that he's doing here. He, he's actually giving them this, uh, uh, this kind of, uh, I'll find it in a minute of what it's actually called, but it's actually a, it's used in storytelling in Judaism and in Jewish uh, storytelling often of where they paint the, the worst picture and then they paint you uh, the other side of where God comes through or somebody comes through so they give you this very bleak picture and then the other side of where it it, it comes through and that's what he's kind of doing here like uh and it's really kind of glass half full empty because listen to what he says in verse two the first character that we meet is the villain and it says this in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared god nor cared what people thought now, you're trying to motivate people to pray, and you got people now that say there's a judge here in a certain town who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. It's a man who has power. He answers to no one but himself. And, and, and he has total power over the outcome of this person's life. He has total power uh, over, over. So it's a scary thing because, I mean, he, can, he, he gets to decide what happens to this woman. He totally gets to decide what happens. Now, the hero or the protagonist in the story is a widow, which is a picture of helplessness. So you got a guy who is neither fears God. He can do whatever he wants. He has the power to do whatever he wants with this person. And you have the hero of the story who is a little bitty widow in the picture of helplessness. And no one is more vulnerable in society than that at this time than that of a Jewish woman. She has no income. She can't work. She, someone in order for her to survive has to show her goodwill if she doesn't have children. So you have the villain who is corrupt and powerful. You have the hero who is weak. And the 
the plot is this. Prayer beset with opposition and discouragement. You've got prayer that, 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 that is discouraging because she keeps coming back to this guy who should be helping her and she has to keep going back and asking for justice over and over and over and over and it's tiresome and it's wearisome and it's just beset against her and there's opposition and discouragement. I mean, listen to what she says. Grant me justice against my adversary for Sometime it said he refused. No, I'm not going to give you this. No, I'm not going to give you what you're asking for. You want justice? I don't care. I'm not giving it to you. And, and, and then it says this. Listen, in verse 7, he speaks, Jesus in verse 7 speaks about his chosen ones crying out day and night. Day and night. My people cry. We're switching gears to a good God and a good, but he's talking about his people cry out day and night. Day and night. Are you crying out day and night for, this, for, the, for, for the justice of this world? For the justice that's going on around us? And so Jesus is painting this picture of discouragement. This painting of a really dismal picture of what prayer feels like. Listen, I, I, I understand. Caleb got up here. I couldn't believe what he was sharing at the beginning when he started talking about how dismal his prayer. How he hadn't wanted to pray. I'm like, preach, brother. Tell me the answer because I'm struggling as well. And then secretly I know I'm about to preach on this very subject that's going on. And, 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 and it's hard. Prayer is hard. It's one of the hardest things we'll do. It, the flesh recoils at it and hates it. And, and, and he says the plot is the prayer beset by opposition and discouragement. And so he pleads uh, with, uh, in this story and it goes unheard of. The pleads go unheard of. There is delayed answer that's going on. And as I said, that typical argument instrument in Jewish storytelling is, is called the how much more argument. And it's where they take things as low as they possibly can get and then they show you how infinitely better God is. Take you as low as you possibly can and then show you how much more God is. How much more responsive will God be if a wicked guy does this? How much more will God do this? If a wicked guy eventually gets wore down and gets tiresome and begins to answer, how much more will a good God give? A good heaven Father who loves his children and looks after his children and cares when they cry out to him day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night. How much more? And so that's the teaching that's going on here is that battle is eventually going to give way to victory. Eventually prayer is going to get through. Eventually God, the, the judge is going to hear. Eventually God is going to answer. Eventually we're going to go and say, I praise you, Lord. I worship you, God. And the answers are going to get down loaded into our spirit the days of crying out and pleading the Bible says it doesn't just stay that way if an uncaring judge is willing to answer this widow's cry because of her persistent coming how much more the writer is trying to get into us will your heavenly father the one who died for you the one who loves you the one whose ear is never closed to the cry of the righteous how much more will this judge answer you if you cry dead Day and night, and if you pray and do not faint, he loves you. You're his own. He takes personal responsibility for you. And the whole rest of the parable, the, the whole parable, BJ, rests on the character of God. The reason we keep going and praying 
The reason we keep crying out to God, which we'll be having a corporate prayer next Monday night, and we'll probably take this and use it. The reason we cry for justice is because the character of God, we know the character of God, we know the one we're praying to. The reason Caleb didn't get up is because he began to be reminded about the character of God. He heard a preacher say, remind yourself about this God. Oh God, you're wonderful. Oh God, you're kind. Oh God, your ear is open to the cry of the... Oh yes, I forgot this. I was discouraged. I began to think you're not like this, but you are like this. And oh God, my faith is rising and I'm going to pray to you. I'm not going to faint. I'm not going to give up because your character is good and the goodness of God is why disciples never give in to discouragement and it's the reason why you keep praying because we say oh how he loves you and me oh how he loves you and me and so this is what this teaching on the end times is like it's teaching given in the light of prayer of Jesus coming he's coming and he's saying the days are going to get rough. And he's just saying the disciples cannot become lazy and cannot become discouraged in praying for him to come back. So the question becomes, what are we actually praying for? What exactly is it that, that we are praying for? What does it look like to pray for the coming of the Son of Man and to give, for him to come and give justice to us? What does it look like to give justice? What, what is this actually uh, that, that, that this widow is asking for? Well, this was a common phrase in the Old Testament that you can find in Joshua, Judges, everywhere in the Psalms and all over the Old Testament. It's when people of God are facing powerful enemies that want to destroy them and they want to take advantage of their vulnerability that unless a greater power intervenes, then they're done for. And that's what the justice is all about. That God, like my friend, we're overwhelmed we're sitting in living rooms together and saying man you know what Brad when we were young we could, we thought we could do that in fact he used the very words he used the words that said I thought I could get right when I wanted to get right and we talked like that but he was talking about how the adversary now is so wicked and so evil and so powerful he even recognizes himself the foolishness of that statement and that if I said that today that I would be swallowed up that the powers are so great that unless Unless God comes and avenges us, we are in trouble. The power of pornography is so demonic now that if we want out of it, it takes the power of an avenging God. It takes justice from Almighty God to come and help us. If we want out of the power of, of, of not giving in to the power and spirit in the age of divorce, it's going to take the power of God to come into our marriage and into our home and help us. If we're going to keep our family together and keep our family from giving in to drugs and suicide and all the ills of society when we know we got to cry out to God now and we've got to say, God, this thing's too big. It's swallowing us up. And unless you come, we're in trouble. We need your justice for drugs. We need your justice for our schools. We need your justice for the gender confusion. We need your justice, God, to help us to be ready when you return. We need your justice, dear God, to hold our families together, to hold our minds together, God, in the midst of a pandemic and all the things and the craziness. We need your justice to quit dividing us in the house of God over shot or no shot, over mask or no mask. Dear God, we need you now. Hallelujah. And so I believe we're feeling, we're feeling it gets so dark 
and so demonic and so like he said it would come before he, he comes back. And we look around and see the object lessons like this pastor. We see it. We see it now when we look in the face of a young person in a casket who's dead. We see it in the violence in our streets. We see it. We see it in the perversion in kids on buses that ought not to have a clue about what sex is. Talking about it and doing it. And there comes a cry. There comes a cry into our heart like this widow. I hope if you don't faint and give up, there comes a cry that keeps going to the judge and crying day and night. Dear God, this is bigger than us. Dear God, bring justice for our schools. Dear God, bring justice for our businesses. They can't even think anymore. They think they're the police of morality. Dear God, help us. And the church is silent. And the church is asleep. And the church is dead. Dear God, avenge us and help us hallelujah politicians and scientists have replaced pastors and we listen to them more than we do spiritual leaders we care more about the outward man and the physical man than we do about the inward man the bible says the outward man is perishing but the inward man should be being renewed day by day. But we're so concerned about the outward man that our inward man is perishing. And dried up like a prune and afraid and terrible. And there's no life and power of God within us. My goodness, get a shot of the Word of God into you and the power of the Spirit. And when we pray for the return of Jesus... It is praying for the justice of God. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're praying. We feel like this widow. We begin to feel like this widow's circumstances that unless God intervenes, and I don't know about you, but that's the way I'm feeling lately. Unless God intervenes, then, then, then we don't know how things are going to turn out for our children. Unless God intervenes, we don't know how things are going to turn out God for, for our senior citizens. Unless God intervenes, we don't know how things are going to turn out. But, and it makes us desperate. The times are making, or it should make us desperate, the, uh, the, like this woman, because she didn't see a way out. And the only thing she knew to do was to keep going to this judge every single day until she wore him down. He was the the only person to add the power to do something about the injustice that was going on in the face of her adversity. And the same thing with us. Jesus says our response to anything we're facing today is not get on social media and rant and have yourself a big party, but it's to get on your knees and get into prayer. And praying for God's justice that bondages will be broken, that strongholds will be brought down, that lies that, that we are all believing down on both sides will be broken. Whether you're the left or the right or the center or whatever you are, you're all, we've got lies from everywhere. Lies and more lies and confusion and darkness and, 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 and the division and, and, and pray. Get on your knees rather than rant and begin to pray and begin to plead with the God who can do something about it, who can undo the lies, who can clarify the minds, who can touch our children, who can touch our bodies, who can minister healing and pray for God's justice to come. And look what verse 7 says. And will God, not God bring about justice 
for them? That's strong language. What it really means is, will God not absolutely bring about justice? In other words, God cannot help but respond to you. But you're so discouraged, you can't pray. Because all we do is watch television and play social media all day and games. Like we're children. We're grown, but we're like children. Wanting to escape from life rather than face life. Rather than wanting to enter a battle called spiritual warfare that our God told us we would enter in. But I will clothe you with my armor. I will clothe you. And, and the power of my right hand has saved you. And I will give you a spirit inside of you that raised me from the dead. But we want to hide behind rocks and in caves and alone in isolation. Because we're scared of everything and everybody. And when we pray for justice, the Bible says he will respond and he must respond. And this has, in closing, future and present implications. It has present and future implications. In other words, when you cry for him to come and bring justice, ultimately you're crying for him to put away evil forever. And that's going to happen. That's the ultimate answer of the prayer of the church. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. That eventually, God, our prayers are going to be heard. And you will rid the world of evil. And that prayer will be answered and we will shout. We will shout on that throne. We in front of that throne with those four and twenty elders. We will shout there. We will shout with those ten thousand times thousands and thousands of angels. And all the saints in white robes and carrying their victory palm branches. And there's, their, their harps are given and they're singing and they're praising God. I mean, if you didn't know, I went back and read the book of Revelation. I, I, I dare you to read it. It's amazing. Keep reading it. It'll tell you your future. It'll tell you. Who cares? I didn't understand half of it either. But read it anyway. Read it. Read it. Read it. And let God worry about revealing it to you. And the future means the ultimate putting away. I got that much out of it. That God's going to put away evil. And that the church is going to be victorious. And we're going to be raptured there standing with Him. And we're going to be worshiping the Lamb forever and forever and forever and forever. Amen. But now... It's about also crying out and having power to do something about the evil now. And oh, get a backbone, church. Please begin to cry out. Please get discouraged enough that you don't give up, but you begin to cry out to the God who can do something about it. The judge who does have justice and cry out to him day and night and ask him to wake up a slumbering church because Lord knows we are the only hope for the nations of the world. The church must wake up. It's not Washington. It's not, it's not, the, the, White, it's not the White House. It's not the Congress. It's not China. It's not Russia. It's not the U.S. In. It's not, not the CDC. It's not all of these institutions you want to put your hope and your trust in. It's the only thing that's going to help us in the days ahead. It's the church of Jesus Christ to wake up empowered by the Holy Spirit and to be His hands and feet on this earth once again. 
And for Him to empower us, pray that He would empower us against the powers of darkness destroying people's lives. Pray that He would fill. This is what justice looks like. It looks like you going and saying, God, every day, wake up this church. Wake up this slumbering church. Start with Brookside Church of God. Help us. Shake us. Wake us up. Hey, if you want to pray for something, start with the pastor. Wake up the pastor. Wake up the slumbering pastors. Wake up the people in the pews. Wake up. Wake up a slumbering church. Wake up a slumbering people. And then pray to this judge to empower us against the powers of darkness that are destroying lives. Pray Him to fill us with the authority to pray for the sick and to see them healed. That we'll lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Pray that we would see families brought back together again. We'd have the power to bring healing to families. We'd have the power to bring healing to children. We'd have had the power to bring healing as bus drivers on our buses to these children. We'd have the power to proclaim the truth no matter the cost. Not just that we want you to return, but we want to, you to be ready. We want to be ready for your return. Not, we, not just we want you to return, whether it be tomorrow, 5, 10, but we want to be ready for your return. Your justice is being maligned in the streets. Your wisdom is being cast out of our schools. Your wisdom is being cast out of science. Your wisdom is being cast out of every level of society. Send out your justice by filling our mouths again. Send, Lord, fill us up and send us out one more time. God, give us justice. That needs to be the cry of your heart every day from now on. God, give us justice. Come quickly, but until you come, make us ready. Make us ready. Fill us and cause us to go out in these streets and push back the tide of darkness. Push back the evil all around us. Approach people that we don't want to approach. Forgive people that we don't want to forgive. Love people that we don't want to love. And impact this world like never before. And verse 8 says, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, and this is a warning to you, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find a people who believe despite everything that's going on around them? In spite of the opposition. So that leaves us with two questions and you can get a song ready. Question number one, are you ready for Jesus' return? Are you ready for Jesus' return? Will you be found loyal? Or will you be found harboring mistrust towards this God? Because you don't understand what He's doing. Are your loyalties going to be in other directions? Besides him and his word. Are you embracing what the Bible calls sin? Because that will become easier and easier in the days ahead if you're embracing what the world embraces. Because here's what the Bible says, and you can mark it. Because anyone who loves Jesus will be hated by the world. We've gotten off a long time in this nation, our whole life, and many generations, but I think that we've been a bit spoiled, and I think the clock is ticking on that now. And there could come a point in the very near future, the very near future, 
when we're going to see Christians in America be hated like never before. And who is Jesus to you then? Is he still the lover of your soul? Is he still worthy of everything in your life? Is he still, or is he only a good fair weather friend that's easy come, easy go? See, I've been counting this cost for years now, and, and especially a lot lately. And I'm coming to the place where with his help, I don't care what loving him costs me. And I will go to jail before I change this gospel. And I will let the world hate me and I will let the world slander me before I alter this truth. And I don't care what it costs me because he is worthy, Caleb, of it all. Because he's worthy of it all. And so I ask you the question, and I don't ask like I used to ask it. If you want Jesus, come down here and shake my hand and go back home. No, I ask in light of this. I ask in light of jail. I ask in light of hanging on a pole and being set on fire. I ask in light. I hope that doesn't happen to me nor you, but I ask it in the light anyway. Are you ready for his return? And second question is, are you praying? Are you praying for God's justice in the now and in the not yet? Because that's what we're supposed to do. Jesus, come quickly, but until you do, make us ready.